But I think that this is where also for Guattari, the semiological semiotic divide is important. So a linguistic, um, a grammatical yeah, yeah. semiotics becomes important too. It's a way of distinguishing levels of autonomy. No, no, of ability. And this, yeah. is, this is the thing I was actually gonna. It's like, is can we not see this break? Can we transpose it back to within the idea of ability itself, as right. there being sort of different orders of different orders of, of ability, like where. And it's that it's that word. Well, and it's this thing you got at about the, mm -hmm. the syntax or the grammar. It's like, I mean, the the conscious lexical ability to enfold language around something, right. around an ability, a power in the world. This is different than the insightful, like without insight processes. I yeah. don't know. Like again, like you said, like nature only simulates a self-conscious constructor because of its amalgamation and con contraction of all these contingent right. events and this, this chaos of particles at the limit and right. this free unbounded energy, which purely automatic processes are modulated. Again, without, without, I don't know, there's these different orders of, and again, I think it's within the question of ability, I guess, is the thing I'm trying to get at, that there's a transcendental distinction in, inside of an ability between like, being able to do something and being consciously able to to do something in a way where you can orient and direct it. Yes. Um, I, don't know, and, I, don't, and, I don't know how to say this very and well. And spread that knowledge to others. That's the Socratic point. That's what Socrates goes around asking all of these experts about, right? We've talked about yeah. being and in, in, being in doing, having a... He asks all the different trades, the representative of each craft. But he also right? tries to push them to the point of being able to articulate their craft, their techne, externalize it through language, which I might add is another techne, something that we can turn, come back to, because I think it's important. Um, but a special techne. Language is a... And we'll get back to that. But Socrates is trying to push all of the, the experts in these fields to the point where they can dialectize it to ensconce it in language and therefore in transmissible knowledge to allow for language to be the to what facilitates learning rather than say an apprenticeship which would be a much more one-to-one -one correspondence of interpersonal relationships where i have to become your pupil and and imitate and follow what you do right um which of course is its own type of experience and learning, but language should be able to make that dissemination of knowledge autonomous in such a way that it doesn't necessarily fall back on what we would say muscle memory. I mean, that's what I'm kind of thinking of. The pupil, the blacksmith pupil, gaining muscle memory knowledge, uh, doing by seeing, by imitating, I think. It is a question of, of imitation. It is a question of giving birth. And for Socrates, for knowledge, for philosophy to foster knowledge, giving birth to understanding of learning, but through language as, a, as an equal medium that doesn't have to follow imitation directly, that can universalize it. That's, that's what the dialectic is supposed to do, right? It's supposed to be, to be able to... Um, to foster learning, but these experts, 
they know and we can learn and we know that they have learned but can they disseminate their learning in that without having to show us can they can they say can they reveal can they manifest and show in language that can then it, it, like can they make the idea go viral can they can they decompose the unconscious reflex yes right right and so i think it really is this question of analysis or like being able to break down the operation like ask someone i think about walking right like cuz if you you know ask someone you know about how they walk right especially yes. especially while they're walking it actually will cause you can you just, so don't do right. this to people because you might make them trip or something right but um it's, it can be instructive that's to, the like, difficult part because to walking to, as a yeah, yeah. as you said it's a it, it, it's not a conscious reflection we don't consciously reflect on these these activities while we do them well, especially there's, there's, while we do they're spatio-temporal they have to do with proprioception right. our right. own internal synthesis of the position and location of our of the yeah. you know aspects of our body in different kind of modes and the way those different modes can play into each other into a continuous dynamism yeah. that that sustains itself in this metastable way working against gravity and you know the word you said uh, dynamis is important because dynamism because walking is a natural impetus crawling to walking is something that our Bi- biology, our, our to just our aging, just our, yeah. Well, it, it, we do it. Seemingly, we su- we supposedly do it unconsciously, right? When the, when the baby isn't told linguistically by the parents, like here's how you crawl. There's already a motor. There is already a dynamics in our drives that pushes us to crawl to to become mobile as bodies. Yeah, and that's not something that. Is done through through learning in the in in the medium of language. It's something that's done apart from from language. Uh, so this agrammatical. It's a grammar of bodies. If you want to retroactively mm-hmm. impose a formal system, it's the geometry of bodies. Yeah, yeah. And you can do a whole. I mean, here's the thing about like frames of reference is that with Euclid, we have a geometry of the logistics of the movement of objects in space, right? So it, it's it's the question of work, right? Of making people, yes. of using language to put people to work, right? Oh, this that's, is, yeah. um, I think this is the this is the mechanism of the dialectic is to put your reason to work in the same way to okay. sort to sort of compel you through again these geometric effectively geometrical principles, you know, like of, re- of relations between between different kinds of bodies, right? Yeah. Even metaphysical bodies, you know, have these internal systems of relations that that can be constructed by reason, right? right? Like through its through its dynamical exercise at the conceptual level. But I think the the question of there being different kinds of spatial structures is important here as well, right? And I think some of them have to do with human life, right? There's there's spaces of different degrees of intimacy. And I think these are also aspects of language in their way, but get right. get shut out by a Euclidean kind of enclosure of the world within a static horizon with like infinitely repeating metrical bodies. I think this is where the triangular cosmogony in Plato comes from. The sort of, the, the, the tiniest components being these, this mesh of triangles that fits together yes. and covers over space. 
through this tiny procedure where you draw a single triangle and now you have a measure which can encode the entire plane infinitely in, is it, a, is it, in every direction. It's the three sides yeah. of the syllogism, it, right, that fit together and can, right, be, can, be, can be replicated. You can explore it in any direction forever. This is the infinite game of Socrates, right, that he entices humanity into this this a new kind of, of agon, a new kind of a new kind of death, right? Socrates as as a as a drug dealer here. Um, well Nietzsche makes him out to be the democratizing force in Athens. He does something rude to the experts where he's kinda of going around poking his face in and, and using a type of questioning and dialogue that 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 puts pressure on others to reveal their identity. And he, and, he, and he feeds people hemlock in order to do it. He goes around Athens feeding the youth the, the, the poisonous lies of, of tyranny and fascism and of a, of a pure republic of dreams that's going to be founded in blood. And, and, it, and it ends up destroying Athens well, and permitting, you know what, I, I don't know, I just I think about the, I was, the, the fundamental lie about the world. And I mean, and yes, look, right. the, the republic in Plato always can play with this, right? Like the republic is... It's just a metaphor for a human being and how you should, your executive function should be philosophical and you should be oriented towards metaphysical truths and eternities and try to connect your life with something truly real that doesn't change or move with, you know, growth and corruption, but is in itself, you know, has this, tri you know, again, this triangular structure ultimately, right? right. Like, it's, he's, he's telling you about the Triforce, right? There is something goofily metaphysical, like mystical about Plato in the last instance, the light of the sun it, that you, is like death. You can't look into it, you know? Like the point is you have to look away, that it, that it affects you and programs you from behind and inserts its dynamical structure into your universe and, re and encodes you. You've been to an academy. Yeah. Like, the limit, this is the academy, right? Like the, 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 the democratizing force that Socrates brings is, is a, a how does one disseminate the reproduction of technique? And I see it as one of the reasons why it's democratizing and threatening to the masters of these domains is that it allows for a medium to be disseminated, knowledge, knowledge to be disseminated in such a way that the slaves who perform could have access to the mastery of the techne that would in turn this is kind of make the master. Know, right? So the, well, I wasn't thinking of a particular dialogue. Sure. I was just thinking of, of this is, when you start about how techne and, and this Euclidean geometry allowing for it, it, it's describing how things work. It's also describing the appropriation and exploitation of work, of labor power that gets taken up in different regimes of production by different masters. Yeah. But Socrates forces the masters to reveal ways of learning that would allow the, the slave to have access to the, the field of the master. Um, and it's as though these two fields are, I would say, non-commutative, or they're they're not. It, it, obviously, the the master-slave dialectic is is, but the the master doesn't do the work of the slave, and therefore the slave has a hidden access to the object. I mean, that's for um, Lacan this this surplus value of the field of knowledge. But at the same, well, on the other hand, in terms of techne, the master 
can describe the means of exploiting that production and how how things work. So yeah, it, yeah. No, it, I mean, is I think, a, it is an ability over. Um, no, no. I, I mean, I think, and I think the flip side of this is the the political fact that the philosophy yeah. of Socrates is a philosophy of tyranny and slavery, and and led to you know the the decimation of Athens and the oppression of Athenians under a, the force of a of a alien war machine, right? Right. Um, that that they would prove uniquely weak to, you know, if not openly collaborative with, as a apparent result yeah. of, of their awakening, for you know, of this decoding, right, of the mutual fields and spaces of the master and the slave dialectic. And I was thinking of Mino because Mino's slave is the ob- right. the object of this. You know, it's a very classical image of a kind of propedeutic or of a teaching, a pedagogical relation where Socrates does the game with Mino's slave, where he works him through. He's like, he makes him draw a square. Yes. He makes him draw a square, right. and he's like, okay, well, what's the, he shows what, is, the, what are the relations between different sort of areas that we can draw with a triangle? And he's like, well, he's like, you already know. You just need help remembering. And so it's this, that's re- true. this, it this, is. this memory that's exercise that's philosophy. And it's encapsulated in this, in this moment of interaction between Socrates and Mino's slave. And it, it basically you know, works Mino through a you know, rather elementary geometrical It shows that he knows about. the Pythagorean theorem. That it's, <laughs> right, that it's right. transcendentally, well... No, in the transcendent sense, though, of memory of this, right. so he, he does a universal decoding of the of the yeah. fields between the those who know and those who don't, and those on the inside, right. those on the outside, and and this is this is the deterritorializing wave of philosophy itself. That's like when all the different it's like Captain Planet when all the different pure forces combined pure forces of philosophy that were exhibited earlier, you know, are synthesized in, into a single consciousness, right? Like we have the monstrous. Socrates, right, who introduces a whole new way of thinking and speaking and, and hu- humanizes us. We are, we are humans in his image in a certain right. way, right? Like, I think this is what maybe, maybe the heart seemed to me of what you were kind of articulating earlier about techne, which is the, not, not just the way it could all be different, but that's part of it. Like, that, that, there's a, that we're locked within a certain modality, a certain instantiation of, m- of much more general and universal possibility spaces, right? Like that are not not just f- formally larger, but like existentially larger in our in right. our own lives. I mean, I think this is where psychoanalysis comes in, and where we have to remember that, you know, in addition to Euclidean geometries, there are Riemannian surfaces, and and again, more intimate kinds of space. Space is a is a is a transcendental notion. It does cut across all these different discourses in the way in the same way that maybe time does. Like, I think this is, I don't know, this is maybe where some real Simondonian concerns come in, which is like how time and technology work together and right. sort of captures the full weight of this engine. Um, this, like, again, this, this huge machine that our technological apparatus all together composes, right? It's really this kind of universal prosthesis, right? It's like, that's beyond the natural artificial distinction. It's like the sum total of, of you know all the different mechanisms, and, and again the forces that are at work. It's like men and horses and wind and water, right? That like that power these mechan. You know, again, I'm thinking just mechanism at this point, right? Not just because we're back at Euclid, which is going to form the foundation for classical physics and the construction of these different kinds of kinds of machines that 
that work, but they also work on us and they work us into ever more specific articulations of their modality through this dynamic modulation. I don't know, it's the, it's the technophilum is one of the things D&G kind of right. start talking about in this, in this vein when they're, I think, yeah, anyway. Well, it's the correlation of the, the affect, right? The affect, the, the building block, what Khan calls intuition, um, or intuitions, you know, connecting that up with, through the percept, which is our kind of, our habitus, uh, in the sense of our, our mode of, of, of being, or what, everyday being in the world, one might say, um, but also involving tool being, or ready, things that are ready to hand, um, and it's the question of Socrates showing how the the dynamis, the the as you kept saying, the the drive in terms of these masters of their different technique, these different the shipbuilder and yeah. these other these other occupations, they they have a kind of monopoly, if you will, on this regime, this effective and perceptive. Regime. This, this. They have a, they have a monopoly. Almost, almost as though, and we can see in certain secret societies like the Masons, almost as though their knowledge has to be kept from being accessible and universalizable. That they, there is a, there is a, an imminently the value of the, their stock of knowledge has to be guarded. Uh, the masters have to hold the secrets in such a way that yeah. they can't be reproduced in the concept. This is the what is philosophy moment of what Socrates might be trying to do, even if for whatever his politically motivated reasons from Plato, he's his dialectic of connecting percepts, affects, and concepts in the dialectic is actually anathema to the blindness that the citizens of the Republic are supposed to be kept in. And this is almost as though they would have to, the knowledge of the proper use of the dialectic that wouldn't simply be redundant and um, a begging the question, one that was open to interpretive redundancies instead of just frequent redundancies. The, if, the, if those citizens of the Republic could actually take the dialectic to the limit, they would find out about their own, they would reason out the implications of their own um, pol no, politically no, right. created status of ignorance. It's, a, it's yeah. a cultivated ignorance that the elders, again, these the secret of, of their manipulation, of their lies, has to be kept. Uh, that secret can't be leaked. Right. Um, which dialectic would actually force that leak of. Uh, so the dialectic Socrates exemplifies, threatens, his very dream is his utopia of this... Um, Anyway, that's not, that's not the main point I wanted to make. I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you just by uh, saying that Socrates is actually threatening then the domain of the masters, their autonomy. Yeah. Their, um, to threaten making their absolute autonomy into a relative autonomy, um, which are these terms that come up in, I think, Althusser, for example, uh, in terms of the superstructure and the infrastructure. Um, but, but there's a will to power where guilds to perpetuate themselves and to, 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 to keep that spread of, of 
surplus value that is being um, exploited on yeah. their own behalf from from leaking out and from being generalized. And that's 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 a political technique, though. We could say that's a trans individual yeah. technique that that involves politics, desire, the the role of knowledge, and what knowledge. Who knows? Who gets to know? You you brought that up earlier with Socrates, the knowers and the uh, and the doers. One could say there has to be a division, sort of speak. But it's again, it's written into the subject or written into every ability, right? This like whether you can do it without being able to decompose and analyze yeah. it. Or if you can subject it to analysis and break down its parts and then synthesize those parts for others yeah. through language and, and bring, bring them through the, the logic of a structure and, and be able to, to break, to deconstruct the world. This yeah. is, this is the, the, the dream of the Republic is that we can deconstruct society and all of its relations and then reconstruct them, even the unconscious elements of them, right? Like you know, we can model them. We can model what they, and then so transform yeah. them, right? Like, yes. And it's you know. But isn't there then a cruelty of 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 using Mino's slave as a vehicle for showing the remembering of of this knowledge? Cruelty. Because taken to the limit, wouldn't the slave through the dialectic? understand that it would also have to transcendentally he would also have to transcendentally remember why he's a slave that there's a there's a logic of reasonings that implicates that they are their essence they are essentially a slave not just by accident because they are although historically there's an accident for why certain slaves in terms of you know the slave trade are are slaves there is a essence of the fact that the, the slaves yeah. are made transcendentally so the slave would have to reckon reason out its own political situation but i think i think that's again we're humans in plato's image this is exactly what what happens right well, we have like, the four metals we, we come down to that that we're actually essentially as slaves copper and iron just mixed types and it's almost you almost get it to a genetic metaphor there where we are, then we are sub, in terms of equality, we're subhuman. Well, sure, but I mean, I guess the point is that I was trying to get at is something like, we, you know. The, the slave is subhuman. You know, the, the gift which Socrates gives Mino's slave of reminiscence or philosophy. Remember, yeah, reminiscence. It, it engenders a revolution. Right. This is this is the real heart of it. Right. That I think cuts through the 30 tyrants. Right. Which is the connection between, say, Plato and civil rights. Right. Like, you know, as much as Plato is a fascist in the Republic. Right. It's it's a model for, you know, the stoic human being as a psyche and as a subject. Right. And able to reason about, you know, your own oppression and to reason your way out of it and, to, I, and, to, and yeah. to find a transvaluing line. I mean, I, this is, yeah. this is the, the sense of the dialectic is to use reason to keep overweening power and desire and cruelty in, in check. And so this is, this is the gift that Socrates gives me in a slave is, is the ability to hold his masters in check with, with reason. Um, and it, and it, turns into anarchy and unreason when you have the reaction of the masters and they'd rather side with Sparta, right? And permit themselves to be ruled over by tyrants than give in 
to their newly reasonable, right. you know, sort of people. Because precisely when a, when, a, when a slave can reason with you directly about their own humanity and try to delimit, it becomes clear that democracy is the only acceptable kind of ethical path forward. And it's like, it's almost like implicit. Like it's, right. it's you know, just, I don't know. But it would, sure to, to, it would have I'm to, I'm not question, sure how to decompose it. It, it would, have, very to, it would have to push simple. Athenian democracy past the place where it was at the yeah. point because we remember Athenian democracy, but we know that it was restricted to uh, to the prestige male landed, class, right? the yeah. landed class. So even that democracy is still an and it's still an aristocratic democracy, and it's obviously only re- restricted to to males. That already cuts off half of the the species. But even then, there's it's almost like there's too many men to all be masters or have. Sure. You know, uh, no, and Plato decodes it all, right? And sort of well, shows how they, they, the they, they, they don't rule because they have the superior knowledge sure. about the world, no, right? They rule they by contingency and the accident yes. of history, and you can analyze all of it. Right. <laughs> and this is sort of the point of the dialectic in general is that you can break it apart, right? You right. can, you can reduce everyone to an equal transcendental ignorance, and then the, then you have lawless anarchy and, and chaos from a, you know, from a reactionary perspective, right? But the, the point is that you can raise new structures that are built on reason and that respect human reason yeah. and the independence of... I would uh, say, though, that Socrates and Plato aren't necessarily investing in, in that. that. That's an unconscious gift. That's not a gift that they're trying to give through the dialectic. No, no, no. It's, it's an irony, even, that, it's, that he, you know, Socrates yeah. wants to be cruel to the slave and sort of force him through this difficult exercise, right? But it ends up being... You know, by opening the possibility, the cosmological ambition of thinking, you know, it would raise up a yeah. a creative logic and ability that can that will eventually tear apart all the pretensions of philosophy and institute a new universal regime of human respect and well, di- at, dignity. Because at the end of the day, the philosopher king is what Plato was trying to disseminate as an idea. That's that 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 in the end, even if. What the slave at most would be doing would be playing with the dialectic. For for Plato and his understanding of the philosopher kings and their access to the ideas, that philosophy is really fucking hard, and you got to spend decades and decades of your life to doing it. It's not something you pick up in a day. And the philosopher king alone would have the ability to coordinate that transcendental and historical. So, uh, sovereignty in the same movement, so that doing and acting totally. from the but master. All, all, could all be, you need is this minimal move in the game of being set on the right path towards it. I'll just, I know. Put, it, I'll just put it that way. I know, but I, I would just it. say what, what Plato and Socrates were, were doing and investing in, yeah. either through the Republic as this utopia, um, or with Plato explicitly trying to turn tyrants into philosopher kings, um, that would. I, I would just say Plato and Socrates are still, if they're if they're for democracy and they're dialectic, they're they're uh, against democracy and who gets to exercise who who alone who, who are the few that get to be masters of the dialectic that truly do the dialectic? That's the philosopher. That's a good question. Yes, yeah, take a break. Okay. Funny, I want to bring this back around. I just saw a note I had written about like this 
Just think about like the feeling of implication, right? <laughs> or something like this, this thing about science denial, right? That it's like, I, I refuse to follow this syllogism, you know? Like given these premises, in all other cases, you would agree to this conclusion. But in this, in this case, the evidence has to meet some impossible standard. There's a neurosis around it, I guess you can analyze it this way. Right? You know, I would almost say that it's, it's a more fundamental thing of, of You know, the when climate deniers, science deniers, there has to be an ul ulterior ul alternative pseudoscience, quasi-science, aspiring to science, claiming to be science, that sometimes doesn't go further than, than a basic theology, um, at least in its excuses for not taking seriously the, or questioning the state of facts of the facts that climate science for example brings the, oh my god and, and including the 97 percent um you know the you resent that figure i think that they they turn it around against itself by saying well it's just a conformity it's a you know who's they define they sorry define they take, take one, for one, example, step, one step further sure yeah. i'll go I'll, I'll give an example of uh senator enhoff from oklahoma right who I think very recently in the past couple of years has exemplified this type of theological right. certitude right. versus rational empiricist science facts where he argues in a very th basic theological vein that it is hubris for humans to think that they could unsettle the creation through their own means. That it's everything is taken care of by God um, and God is the one ultimately responsible for the uh, equilibrium of the environment and all equilibria. He's he's the God. He's the Lord of mixtures. We are part of that mixture. We can't affect that mixture. One could say, and that's a very theologically divine. That's one way of reading. Um, sort of our divine status and our, our status as, as created and not author to the creation. But on the other hand... It's plain, uh, plainly a misreading and like a... Oh, sure. A, a because we are, given, we are also given stewardship. There, is this, yeah. there are these lines of, of steward we are given. This is why not all, not all Christians believe. This is a very fundamentalist yeah. belief that... Uh, again, a, a base theological belief that God's in control of everything, yada yada. Right, and that's that. That is exemplified. Not just that's just that's just one senator who justifies. I because you you brought up how can they just not look at the science, and I think that that's where we have to go back further. I don't think they they consider it science. They consider it uh, prop, liberal propaganda or. Whatever the because fuck. scientists are, they, they, are they, godless. They, is that the? Is this the? Oh, that could be part of it too. Right. But that that could be the that could be an underlying thing. Whether or not it's spoken, you know, outwardly, it's just that um, whatever what they have to they have to obviously change, qualify the ninety seven percent consensus or just that procedure of fact based science as uh, being anti science or being anti reality not real so there's a way of 
That's just to justify, though. I, I guess that's that's the thing. So they have to propose alternative facts. I mean, I think that that's, that phrase became viral because there's a truth to it. This, this, you know, when Kellyanne Conway talks about relying on, on alternative facts, that's, and in fact, I think that it doesn't even get to the heart of what that means because from within alternative facts, accepting them, accepting your sources and not accepting others, uh, what's alternative is the 97%. That's the alternative facts, is what we, we, you and I, would think of as right. the mainstream media, whatever, would think of as, as real science. Um, so the, the conspiracy projects and says the, you know, we're not, we're not party to this conspiracy of anti-science. You guys are party to, you 97% are party to a conspiracy of I'm sure there are elements where it's the Jews, they run the economy, or they run the banks, and they run everything, whatever. You know, it's for their, it's for George Soros, right? You know? You're tying global warming to anti-Semitism. Tying global warming to, a, to it's, it's a Jewish conspiracy or whatever. Um, that's one element of it. That's not the only one. It doesn't have to take that, that explicitly anti-Semitic right. But I see, I see those kinds of arguments made. Why would, the, why would 97% of scientists agree on this topic and it's because they you know are raised in these liberal elite uh universities right the scientific method becomes a kind of liberal elite way of um right at some point it it just shuts its clothes and it becomes you know reactionary anti-enlightenment if it has to if it has to put on clothes of reasons right um I think this is where you get the kind of the new reaction, right? And no, I mean it's it's interesting. I think I think we're actually kind of at the heart of it, and the critique is maybe maybe helpful here, even in terms of like you know how do we how, how do we teach virtue? How do we how do we get get the people to be more worthy of the freedom of of thinking and ideation that that they're born with? And it's in and maybe the the challenge would be about difference and trying to to encompass even problematic points right like it seems like there's i don't know it seems like it's easy to get agreement on i don't know i I, I wonder maybe that's the problem that we're just our epistemologies are so mutually alienated that it that it be i mean i think this epistemology seems to be a consequence of 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 a inertia and modes of being, I mean, I'll take America as example. It's, but it's only as one type of societal example. Is you're talking about this ongoing education. I mean, that's the ideal of amending the understanding. As Spinoza thinks that that everyone contributing individually to correcting our understanding, we all work towards the common the common good. Yeah. But there are, uh, it's it's much easier to participate in everyday existence without reflecting on it. I mean, reflection is useful at times, but to take it to a philosophical speculative level, it, it unmoors the very rocks of our dogmatic foundations of our unconscious desires uh, coordinating with the dominant structures. It, it, it unmoors that correlation to create anxiety, I would say. And the, so, so, so enlightenment's not just hard, but it's ethereal in a, in a, in a sense in which it shows us our the contingent relations of our um coordinating with the status quo coordinating with the 
the ways of the ways in which we no, I like that it's an, it is because it's a new ethos and a new experimentation right. with with life yeah right so this is part of the tribalism that sometimes gets talked about in uh, and, and and science in fact deniers and in in those I mean I, and off the top of my head I mean those who want to coordinate and support Trump seem to fall into this where they have to justify um, by ignoring facts. And fake news is very, very, very good at doing this, just saying, in, in, in a sense, reducing facts or narratives, we could say, because it is about a narrativity. There's a, there's a dominant narrative from um, Trump supporters that what's actually going on is a kind of uh, political assassination from the start against their president, the the one, uh, and not just it's obviously our president too, but their president in the sense in which they feel like they belong with him. No, he's not making much of an effort um, to be the president of everyone. Just for so, just for what it's worth. So they invest in his vision, and and part of that is a a white vision, a white dominant vision. Um, a lot of times, it's also an anti-Semitic. Right. And those, a lot of most of the time. They explicitly coordinate, I feel, but they don't necessarily have to consciously in every person who goes along with this. It's part of this question of being conned. Um, but that's what I mean is from their point of view, what is knowledge, what is fact is not being reported by the mainstream sources. So they, there are these alternative sources. That is, that, that, whose veneer is, is journalistic in the rigorous sense, but... I mean, for the most part, I feel like, on the one hand, Fox News would be the... They're, they're it's the, a propaganda They arm. present themselves they're as, a, as a mainstream... They're a propaganda source. arm of the RNC, and they have been sure. for, for years. Sure, they're, sure. They're not, a, they're not a conservative channel, which in principle would be fine, right? They're of course. a Republican There's channel. not a rigorous... They're a Republican channel, yes. which is um, infinitely worse, right? It's because like, of the... And, more, and dangerous. Yeah. I mean, like, I... I don't know. There's a lot of causes of polarization. Sure. There's a lot of causes of polarization. Honestly, most of it's money. Yeah. But but you also. I mean, the, uh, for example, I, I just in my mind I, when I read because I try. I I do feel like I'm a news junkie a little bit. So when I when I see, um, you know, a news alert about from a from a New York Times Washington Post article, a lot of times that's like those are the two that I go through for breaking stories. A lot sure. of times they're not the only ones who break stories, but I feel like there's a depth. There's a quality to not just breaking the story, but contextualizing it with, oh, remember we had this other shit happen too. That's usually about the half mark of the, the text. It goes to reminding us of why all of this matters, which is a good continuation. But then, you know, you go down to, um, I rank it down to like CNN HuffPost. That's much lighter, sometimes very snippet of bits of information about something that might be new. I wouldn't read it for analysis. But then on the other side, you swing to, What's running? What's the headline of the of Fox? What's what's the what's on the Fox News? You know what what is resonating with their viewers? What are they promoting? And now you've for me veered into another territory. Same thing goes all the way down to something like Breitbart, 
Um, but would Which it, is just the a daily caller fever swamp. Sure. Uh, well, it's just reactionary phobia. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's But you can. But if you, if it's you, like tr- the abyss made to speak. Yeah. Like. But I always try. I try to see it from their perspective. Like if I were a Trump supporter. Christ. Yeah. No, it is. It is something necessary because what is the, what is the narr- narrative that is dominating? Uh, what are the talking points? I, I think I told you when I drive home from work, I got an hour or so in the afternoon. It's probably about seven, and I listen to someone like Mark Levin. Yeah. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, he's dying like that. He's yeah, right. potentially responsible for the one um, <sighs> who crafted the story or who, in the talk show, um, whose story got picked up by Breitbart that influenced Trump to say that he, Obama wiretapped him. Uh, Levin was making that that no, in fact, his argument before a few days before that tweet was he was he was alleging that Obama in league not with the U.S. uh, intelligence community but with uh, with the British intelligence community wiretapped him. Stupid. Um, MI MI five had him on 007 gave him a call. It's like give me. It wouldn't be MI five, but that's. I forget what it's, it's, it's like GCHQ or I'm not getting the, it's like these wholly constructed fantasies and like, and what? honestly like scary detailed ones that but, seem like crafted yeah. to like drive people who read it straight mm-hmm. insane. Like this is, this is the real thing that it seems like crafted with the aid of a sophisticated psychoanalyst, like how to cruelly drive your patient to the brink of madness. Right? Sure, but like, this, this, this is, a, this I mean, is they, still a narrative. It's, it's, the, it's the narrative that they... So in, in the polarization, right, the Democrats have been pulled to the center, right? Yeah. And the Republicans have been pulled to the extreme right, right? This is this is what people mean when they say Overton Window has shifted. That the, the man, the, I would also say the magnetic polarities in terms of the Republican Party have shifted in terms of now what what is center is still considered far left, right? So. But there's there's no rhetorical counterbalance to the extreme right. This is the real danger. This is one of the things I feel like Zizek identifies yeah. with, like, this, this problem and why we're so anxious about tolerance in neoliberal democracies is, is this thing about w- when the left evaporates, there's really very little to push back substantively that the critical anti-fascist analysis that incidentally also favors global warming as its main... That's, like policy yeah. priority of the far left, right? Like that's what you actually need to to yeah. to keep but, things but in, 20 years, under control. But twenty years ago, and, and, and look, I'm not saying all the left, you know, all the, the center needs to be radicalized to the left, but that we, we need to be able to see the analysis on that side of it. I don't know. We need the revolutionary interpretation to counterbalance the reactionary right. one. I think is the simplest thing. I, I guess I was only trying to say that there's a. I think. For for you and I who who would identify with that more far left revolutionary wing, I mean, um, at least progressive, I would say. I don't. Right. Uh, but um, a lot of people would probably call us idealists as much as no, we no, it's, seem committed to utopian thinking and so on. Right. It's but. that. It's that. I feel like for a lot of people like us who who would identify left or far left or anti-Trump or whatever, totally wouldn't take seriously. This dominant, the stories circulating on Fox News to start, but Washington Examiner, Daily Caller, um, Breitbart even, that we need to take seriously what is 
animating their narrative. We need to know their narrative better. No, no, no. That's that's I think the heart of this too is that we that we need to subject them to a properly. I almost feel like there 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 could be a strictly. You and I could do it. I mean, I'm just thinking if we started a a post or whatever. It would. Uh, I'm thinking of kind of a meta analysis of reactionary news, uh, a way of streamlining into a different format. Stories about reactionary news stories. What are, what are the what are the right talking about today? What is the what are the ideas being circulated on in their media? Yeah. Uh, even like what are the dominant you know? Um, Seems like that just what is it? it? It's, it's, I, I worry about the effect that things. No. Like, you made me think about SPLC, right? The way they that. they do this watch of the really far extremes right like i don't think it would amplify it 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 would it would definitely it would it would give it a voice in its replication yeah but it but it would be accompanied by a journalistic envelopment such that you know it's not you're not only linking to sources of what they're saying but we're linking to what is the what what is being said and you could even Think about how we already craft in the response to the to the to the information. We learn something about what they're saying. What are the? How can we um, counter this with 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 facts? How can we counter this with historical events or with um, with analyses of yeah, data? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I think that's the in the last instance the essence of what I'm trying to get at, which is like we actually need to fight it on its yeah. own, own terms right. and. But at the same time, we can't merely accept the terms that the right sets for the debate. This is what I mean by actually having a far left oh, a- sure. axis, which can transform the terms of the debate somewhat. Yeah. And, and, by, and by having a, a, an ongoing feed that, 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 that contextualizes the dominant stories of the right and puts them into context and shows them to be shallow or false or misleading, by having that source... Um, Whenever faced, I, I just think about online when faced with a fucking meme that talks about Hillary Clinton selling uranium to the Russians. How that's a that's a that's a non-truth that is a misreading. Uh, 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 it doesn't detail what actually happened in the historical record, but that shit gets passed around all the time. And and, and a lot of times, if you don't have if, if you haven't been privy of that knowledge and that debunking, um, no, you're you're vulnerable to misinformation. Right? It's like turning Snopes. Dot com, you know, that that's supposed to uh, contextualize conspiracy theories and debunk them. Right. It's, if you if you turn that into an actual news, a meta, I, I say meta news. It's a, it's a re. I'm just thinking about it. As, it's a translation. What can S- do? Some people would say it's it's putting your own bubble on it, but I sure. I, th- I think we're trying to make this bigger sure. point about like we also need the revolutionary interpretation of events, right? Yeah. And that actually. Can can pull from within them their transcendental sense that mm. the reactionaries are intent on repressing and snuffing out of the universe at yep. any any way they can, and you know again it's like, I mean for me a lot of a lot of it is is practicing some avoidance to sources of news that I know are untrue and I don't know like you definitely do have to practice this thing of like let let me seek out certain sources of information for some sense of what's going on but it but at the same time there is like this problem of the plane of facts yeah right and i think just the organization of information like i don't know the thing you're making me think about is is just not how we're we're bifurcated on facts you know about climate science but that 
It's this, it's this problem about being shallow or deep into a discourse, almost, right? Well, I was just trying to say this thing about the, like, the real insights and the truth of them, you actually have to pass through this pedagogical project right. of, like, working through the material in a given domain of, of discourse. And, like, the, tr the tr you know, the, it's only retroactively that you see the truth of all the things you kind of learned by rote at the very yeah. beginning. And there's, there's this movement you have to go on that's not in space, but it's through the determination of time and your process of, of, of growing. You, you can come to a more healthy perspective where you see the, 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 a different side of things you see more deeply into the world in certain ways. I don't know, there's... It's, it's a modelization and a meta-modelization. Totally. I mean, anyway, like, we're, we're all bifurcated into these specialized discourses. Right. That's one of the things. And that the real insights only come when you're actually plunged pretty deeply into them. Yeah. And if you refuse even to get off the starting block, there's no way to work with people to bring them all the way through the dialectic, the movement of the syllogism into the conclusion, right? Like this, I don't know, I was trying to get us back to this about the, the problem of consequences or inference. Right. Where it's like you can, lay, and consequences. you can lay out the premises apparently infinitely and people still resist it, right? Like sure. this is the, I think the radical skepticism or something, I don't know, there's there's something about the problem of Athens in this in the structure of this problem about, you know, Socrates versus the, the cynics laying around in the street sort of denying everything, refusing to do anything, kind of laughing at, laughing at kings, right? Laughing at the powers of the world and the, the knowledge they try to impose, rejecting all, all the wisdom as sort of so much hot air, right? And there's a deflationary thing that is part of the critical transcendental tradition of modern metaphysics and forms the architecture of a structural deflating and a sort of slicing and cutting apart of the image of the human and abstracting over its properties and building systems and structures to contain us and well that's that's part well that that whole question of the transhuman the normal human um that's that's at stake in the reactionary uh, repulsion from the i would say the middle or the far left it's it's necessary identity and contradistinction to albeit that that contradistinction is is actually relative to an identity that is that is a straw man and is usually vague, vaguely understood. But it's a it's a designation and determination that's applied to everything other. Um, and my I guess I always I, with, with this with this notion of I, I'm st I guess I'm thinking of this transcendental computer in the Laurelian sense of running these reactionary news stories through a kind of matrix where they are encoded against themselves and imprint within themselves how they told the lie that they told. Right, it's funny, it sounds less how like- they, How they, what logical operators they use to- Totally. Yes. I mean, it sounds, the way you're saying it now makes you think less of Snopes than of something like, I don't know, like The Daily Show or even Jimmy Kimmel where he uses the kind of, just the imminent details of his life rather than any particular political yeah. <laughs> principles, yeah. right? Like, I'm but, but he's, he's yeah. finding a resistance in his in sure. his body sure. and, and of those from his body. Right. And I don't know. There's something there's something really profound in it in a certain way. And I, and I know it seems to cynics and reactionaries like he's playing a family drama, you know, for sure for, for some cachet in the political realm. But like the the the, the heart of it is like this. This is this man with an ill, Ill child, and sure, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, th I think it seems, 
it's easy to politicize. And I think I'll say this real quick, just before we break. But uh, I think the whole healthcare debate in America, I think it's symptomatic of this problem of the health of America. Um, and I think that's like psychosocial, but it's also transcendental, like from the viewpoint of a universal history and the point of America on its curve of development and whether we're entering into a decline. Sure. Um, and I think there's a civilizational question tied up in the notion of, of are we going to care for the least among us and provide them, you know, freedom from worry and, and the, the ravages of illness. And I don't know, sorry to get kind of emotional about it, but it feels very real to me in this biological. And I wonder, in other words, if we should decapitalize certain aspects of, of the life world and say these are not, we, yeah. we can't put money around this. We'll, we'll pay people living wages and better to get specialized. We'll invest state things in it. I mean, we'll, we'll universalize it, we'll nationalize it, and eventually just decapitalize it. Just take, try to take money out of it. Because I think there's this distorting impact of using the same currency to measure grain as to measure, you know, the, the human life, right? Like, there, I don't know, there's something very just psychically, like, disruptive about what capital is that way. The way it equalizes all these things kind of, you could say kind of schizophrenically because they're all material flows. But I think that is to reduce some of the ethical dimensions of the relations that it's in introducing i don't know can't just blindly accelerate into the void here you know i don't know yeah i instead of a snopes it would be it would practice the art of the different of how are phrases in dispute but also facts in dispute would be a would be a the corollary how are these to be um brought into a sphere and arena that is allowed for this crafting of a different that doesn't that doesn't deny the the identity or status of the of the other other phrase uh, which seems to be on both the left and the right that's why I originally was was bringing this up that that I was feeling liberals need to progressives need to it's easier to say I'm not going to read that shit and it's a little bit harder. How does one have an easy access? No, no, you can't avoid it entirely. To, I, love, I love this way you're making it. It's, yeah, it's not a, not just not to avoid it entirely, but to, to but to stay current on what is what is um, to know exactly what is what the other side current. trying. I, I just think of I'm thinking of like the left and the right Hegelians, and how how would one apprise oneself of the information? How would one read? This difference, one could say, of Hegel's works without, from the start, just um, saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read that or deal with that. I'm delegitimizing the the other the other party that those with whom one is in dispute, and and not to deal not to delegitimize them, or after delegitimizing them in, in one's own way and knowing it to be, a, a, you know, a logical fallacy. Um, Right, I think, how, how no, I, and I think that's part of it. Like, describe that for others to show it's right. No, I think it goes to the heart of this thing about what sort of ideas can healthfully and you know joyfully compose together in a in a social and psychic space, and what kind of you know transcendental ideals they should embody. I think that's like the the real question about virtue and its its connection to the heart of the humanities and lift lifting us up along an, an evolutionary line of development that's cognitive in its essence and about yeah. the unfolding of pure abilities um, and their self-conscious kind of encapsulation of abilities through reason and strategy and allowing them to develop in a 
in a world. That's a good way to put it. That what I'm, what I'm, what I would like to apprise people of is not merely here's what other people, here's what, here's what the right is saying, is that one merely regurgitates, but to model and meta model the strategies being used um, concretely. Now. Abstractly, you wouldn't need a news story necessarily, any news story example to, to, to show the general universal strategy of, of logical, of, of manipulation of logic, but to, to then be able to, with, within particular news stories, whatever's being circulated today, to, to be able to model and meta-model the strategy at, at base, not just like what they're arguing, but how they are the aspects of sophistry. How they are delegitimizing yeah. what what the what either what science would say, like the ninety seven percent, right? How, how, I'm thinking meta modeling Inhoff's book. So that, no one wants to read that fucking book. Who would be in the ninety seven percent unless they were just as a curiosity? What is what are these others saying? But I, I think it's but, I think it's like you're saying it's good to, to know exactly what tunes the devil is singing and to be able to, to yeah. analyze them and break them apart. I, honestly, I prefer reading an abstracted version than having to directly plunge into all the madness. Oh, that's that's what I mean. Myself, it seems like it, it, what it, it, what it seems such a broken fever swamp. I don't even know where you start. But like again, I guess a a leftist critique needs to start with the real material. How and, else and are actually we going to build these it. bridges that we seemingly have? Broken in terms of bipartisan. Yeah. How are we gonna? How, how how does one reforge bipartisanship? We need shared values, and like a, well, a, eventually, I wonder if they just get exhausted. And well, are like, we may Let's just we may together. actually have but, shared values, except that the dominant narratives re- refuse to allow those values to be sought. That that Venn diagram, that you know, the middle of two circles is being denied and castigated yes. in certain ways and rejected. It's polarization. Oh, but I, I guess that's that's the thing. If one is apprised of the strategies on the other side, one can further look, maybe look towards infinity, take the infinitesimal and look towards ways of converging. Um, but this is exactly what I doubt. I doubt that we'll be able to handle the problems of like automation and, and con- the consolidation of firms and the, the influence of globalization. I mean, like... the. Nationalism is not a, is no longer a realistic answer. It's no. been it's been in question for decades. No. And the 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 rise of these new institutions it doesn't have to be some terrifying world government, but something more stable and and fa- you know fundamental, you know and structural than the UN. I mean, this is actually what we what we need to manage the world and to get our hands around global warming. We're going to need much more collectivism, honestly, in a certain way that I think even people on the far left really one in their hearts yeah. you know despite what they may say but like we're, we're, we are going to need to get together as a civilization as an as an entire enlightened species and look I, you know i think the sophistical arguments of the right to one side you know there there is still the possibility coming from the far left analysis of a mass raising of consciousness that that, that can can incite people to action yeah. and to transformation of values and to change the world and I think it does come ultimately through shared values, and you have to transmit them ultimately person to person. Right. But they are huge trans-individual right. processes at work in history. At least from the standpoint of universal history, it's like we're going to have to make all these pre. This is a Zizek point. We have to make all these premature attempts to change the order of things in order to to figure out how to actually move into a new kind of mode of thinking and feeling. There's a bunch of there's there's a bunch of practice, right? And like working through 
a pedagogical exercise at a civilizational level, right? Okay. I think this is why it's hard to put someone through the, the, the structure of the syllogism is because their whole way of life resists the conclusion, right? This is the fundamental neurosis, right? That, that it, it would inspire a way of feeling and thinking that feels alien, right? Again, this is the alienated epistemologies. Yeah, it's interesting thinking of in modeling strategies from the other side, one not only models how they strategize about facts, but how do they strategize about us, right? I'm also kind of curious if this is one thing that like post-Charlotte, but also before it, but definitely post-Charlotte you saw... Charlottesville. Charlottesville. You had a... The theme became Antifa, and... It would, that was that 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 the way in which that group got applied to either all democrats democrats democratic party all progressives it, it it encompasses it became an encompassing way of talking about the left and so there's an interesting there there is a leap from this particular group to the to the total um, that is being performed if not de facto then after the fact de jure. I like I like to use that as an example because I was thinking it's important to know how the right is generalizing about progressive liberals, democrats, whatever. How how their how their strategy is what 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 are the what are the kind of the binary signifiers that You're they, saying with Antifa like Tatars all as subversive terrorists. Well, what's what, yeah, so it's and that's that. There's there's something that then it puts the burden on us to 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 take that seriously and to try to at least consciously be aware of what then we need to say we should avoid. I mean, if we're just gonna like me, if I would, I'm I'm a little hesitant to just say like I'm a liberal progressive because those words are already like super overcoated on both sides. They're already predetermined in a way that would lead to these generalizations that are sometimes taken advantage of. Um, and so, when when I think of Bill Maher doing this a lot of times, and and sometimes pushing the left to be better, to do better, to not fall into the stereotypes, uh, or at least be conscious of the stereotypes by which these labels are charged. And um, strikes, whether the it strikes me as a form of respectability politics just applied to the left. No, no, no. I would just say whether the other side and the I'm just like, can't you guys be cooler and not so uptight about the way people want to call themselves or something? And it's like that's a matter of dignity and respect. And I, I, I don't know. Like it, it seems it seems like a reactionary. I, I, take, no, no. I think that in the in the end, it is. I'm if, all for comedy. If it is reactionary, it is trying to push us to become conscious. And not, not to, if, if we choose to act in a certain way, or if we are aware in our actions that we are acting in right. a smug, elitist way. Right. Just um, to, to, to do so without, we, we need to become aware of our unconscious investments. Yeah. Um, so there's a, and we, there's we, a very philosophical paradox here about like, obliviously telling others to get rid of their obliviousness or something. Oh, I, don't sure. know, I don't know. Like there's a, 
it's it's difficult to I think this is Plato says something about this with the cave. It's like people oh, yeah. are, people are confused for two reasons. They may be going from the dark into the light or the light into the dark. I don't know, I feel like enlightenment is like the heart of this question ultimately and they're this is the near reaction there. They try to articulate a whole darkened nightmare version of the Enlightenment that justifies the, the, the worst yeah. kind of pseudoscience. And, and, it, and it is interesting that there is a double movement in, in the cave. We not, we not only face away from the images on the cave, but even within the cave, just by turning around and seeing the images, we're still not out of the cave. Um, so we need a. That, that's the only reason why I, was, I, kept, I kept talking about being aware of the strategies of the size. No, being cool. aware of the images of, of the cave and then getting out of the cave, showing how one, one got out. Or one was never there, as Laura would say. I'm thinking that this project I have, this, it's, it's non-news. It's non-philosophical news, non-standard news, right? It's, it, it treats... Um, If it's able to find a unitary, not a unitary, a unified theory of the the left and the right, perfect. Now I think on the right they would lose a sort of sufficiency in their ability to legitimize their delegitimization, to force themselves to to come to the facts and to face the facts and to deal through that medium. If they were going to merely disregard the facts, on the left it's to then go through that process too, of uh, no longer being defined in contradiction to the right in terms of our values. Yeah. It forces both it forces both territorialities of how we enroot ourselves consciously in these values and it and it, it kind of forces them to face deterritorialization, I would say, in their yeah. in their unconscious investments. And be subject to a like a transversal deduction. Yeah. Um, that's right. On the from the standpoint of a higher politics and a and towards a greater health, I maybe want yes. to circle back to here about the question of healthcare and biopolitics, and maybe some things should just be thoroughly decapitalized. Right. What do you think about this? Just outside of the economy entirely, right? Like it's, just it, just not denominated in dollars I, and cents. I think it's you know? I think it's possible. I think it's difficult insofar as we have come to be the inheritors of of this being treated as a commodity. Yeah. This insurance health's already been carved up into. A commodification, um, and to de to destructure and remove. I mean, I guess at the limit of a that, process that, of, of universalization yeah. and, and nationalization. To nationalize the commercial industry of health is, you know, we now have to go into a kind of um, discussion of. I mean, Medicare buy-in would basically do it, man. It's similar to ta the taxes, for, like the these seeds, small changes. The seeds for opposing nationalized health care, I mean, predate Reagan, but Reagan sure. didn't do any but do us a service. Public opinion has changed on this. The Republicans, oh, sure. the Republicans' idiocy on this question, and they're just general like disinterest in the question of actually push more people to care about it and to realize that it's that it is this important thing yeah. that, that like isn't. I don't know. I think I think people's hearts have changed on it a little bit, sure. and like. Honestly, I think it is this thing about the raising of consciousness about it, realizing that other advanced countries don't have this problem. I credit Bernie Sanders, honestly, for just sort of coming out with a straight universalization policy and like making that's used as a boogeyman on the right, though. No, totally. We should be conscious but, of that. That's what what Monday night. Uh, Graham, guess, Graham like, and Cassidy are going to have the debate. The only sensible. Ethical. They want him to say, "I'm out for universal health care," because that's yeah. they mobilize their. 
constituents and those. those but that's fine. I think we should take on those arguments because no, it's like uh, it is the sensible ethical position, it's, and it's like it does have to be a pathway towards some kind of sure. de- decapitalization of this, just for the sake of our, for the sake of a higher politics and a greater health around this question and this problem of life, right? We do need to yeah. delimit the market and, and make a tiny moat around it, around some of these well, things. Wait, well, because we do have this superfluous, sure. free and unbound energy but you have as to, a society. You, you have to realize that the debate is not on, on facts. The, the facts are, are we not... We have to lift it up to that plane. F- we, have, is, we have to train people. I don't know how to, else to say if it. We, we, have to to give, that, we have to give them the virtues that the humanities will instill. If we, are <laughs> to do, if we are to do that, we have to challenge the ideologies. I mean, we, sure. We have to move from a, no, that's, I think, from a level of ideological difference. The, we have to find the difference between yes. those ideologies before we can... Because the, I think the facts follow from the ideologies. The, the search for the alternative facts... Um, well, that there are alternative is, facts is itself a reactionary framing of uh, of a. It depends on the it, the epistemological situation is not actually that there the, are multiple right. reality. You know, those know, who are those who are searching for an alternative fact to climate change, for example, right. uh, if they do it out of a necessary means embedded in science to challenge and to refine our verifiability and to culminate. And to, and to aggregate more data such that one could um, refine the argument, revolutionize it if necessary, but refine it also, then that's fine. That's part of science. Science should test its own hypotheses, its own. But for the most part, we're talking about people who set out to find alternative facts in order to justify an ideological sure. position. Those. We need to be able to be. We need to be on guard against that, also within ourselves. Right. You're saying there's a higher sophistry on the right that's acquired, kind of erudition and and, and critical density. That we and the left can apply sophistry as well. We need we that's need to guard against that too. Yeah. But that doesn't discredit the other ninety six point nine 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 percent or whatever. That doesn't. We need to be. I think it's it's important to be wary as a scientist doing these studies to be aware of how the the right might think of what they were setting out to do. As, as a scientist, as, what do you mean? As, a, as setting out with the prejudice that what we were trying to do is confirm the fact, the givens of the fact. Um, we always, we, it's, it's like we have to step up to a higher order of, of, of rigor of not only doing the work, but showing, showing the work at the same time. Um, no, that's interesting. There's almost a transcendental thing about, again about yeah. like, how do you communicate this complex, deeply embedded, nested, discursive kind of informational content, yeah. right, in a universal way. And and again, I think the technical predicates of the situation are in principle in place, right? Yeah. And I think human intellect is infinite and like capable of yeah. of the exercise. I mean, I'm clearly an optimist and somewhat idealistic about human beings, given these axioms I'm laying out, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's it's certainly possible to imagine that we could all get our act together and formulate big global universal structures like, I mean, again, it, we've, we've done it for, you know, for healthcare in every other advanced country, right? We can do it for here. We've, we've already done a, some global measures yep. on climate, climate change, right? Like it's, not enough, not not nearly enough, quickly enough to escape the ravages of it. it. It probably will be. I'm curious how one goes about de 
How, how does one decommission the the insurance companies, for example? That, but also the the would one will one also have to think about restructuring not just the health care, health insurance uh, economy, but also the pharmacological, pharmaceutical ecology, which is drives healthcare costs. Yeah. No, we could definitely do, so do better. I, so that. I'm yeah. wondering, what are the laws? Oh, yeah. In terms of no, 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 what those, we those honor are, those that, that breaks these up, that allows for insurance Absolutely. companies to... No, 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 and there's a bunch of great, like, interesting, specific policy wonk kind of questions about, yes. like, what do you what do you actually do with... You know, and it's funny, one thing that could be a, a precursor to actual universal care would just be universal price setting, and that would actually resol yeah. resolve a lot of the goofy distortions in the market. Um, but do you want to... Can we take yeah. a break? Are we, are we good? Uh,